Oh, you look just like my ex. Hey, you up? DTF. Um, kinda out of your league, but thanks for the swipe. No thanks, ugly. I wasn't interested anyway. Where are you? You up? Thanks for the swipe. Whatever. Um, height mate, please. I'm kinda out of your league, but... Dating up disasters. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Dating App Disasters. I know you are not used to hearing my voice, but get used to it. Uh, Phil, we miss you, buddy. Uh, he has moved on. I feel like he will be back at He's some dead. point. He no, died. Phil isn't <laughs> dead. <laughs> He's in a better place. Heaven. <laughs> so, you know, we talk about dating. We talk about relationships. I wanted to do something a little different this week. I love talking about relationships, but it was hard for me to do that this week. Um, I wanted to do something a little deeper, and I am not educated enough about what's going on in the world, and I am very lucky to have two amazing, funny women come from talk to me from a real place about what is going on because they are close to it. And the first part of this podcast, I have Miss Jess Solomon on. Hello. Hi. I feel like we should say not, we're going to get into uh, Israel, Palestine, not just like the world in general. Not the world in general, but yes, (laughs) uh, you know, the Israel, Palestine, what is going on? I love that you were like, everyone's so, uh, so nervous that we're just like, you know, just... (laughs) We're going to get deeper. Just, I don't, I don't know a lot about the world. Well, it you know? feels like it's the entire world, doesn't it? I right mean, now, right this moment? Doesn't well, it? It's, it definitely affects a, a lot of countries, and certainly like the U.S. is very involved. Yeah, very, very involved. Um, our tax dollars. Our tax dollars. Don't even get me started on that. I will barf. <laughs> I will barf. Did you know there's money for another war? But they don't have money for anything else. Yeah, anything we actually need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. I actually took notes today because I didn't want to forget anything. Let's see them. Uh, well, I mean, you could definitely see them. That's, but uh, I like your handwriting. <laughs> My handwriting is trash. It's so, it's so feminine. It, it, it's no. very girly. What? Is it? Ah, okay. My handwriting, uh, has, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone's handwriting has gotten worse now that we barely <laughs> I know, we don't write. write anymore. I found a diary very recently from when I was a teenager, and I couldn't believe how beautiful my handwriting yeah, was. Yeah, because we used really, to write all the time. I, yeah, I used to write like that. Do kids wow. write in schools? I don't even know. What I don't, do they go to schools? These, yeah, I don't even know. Oh, my God. All right, so let's start <laughs> off a little, we'll get into the deep, deep stuff. But I saw something this week that was interesting. Um, DJ Vlad came on the Breakfast Club, and he he was very vocal about him not understanding why certain celebrities haven't spoken up about this. Right, like uh, say DJ Khaled, who is probably one of the most famous Palestinians, yeah. or or Drake because he's a very famous Jewish person. Yeah. Um, do you think that celebrities have a responsibility to step up and speak up? Um, I don't think necessarily celebrities speaking is a good idea. Really? <laughs> well, just because I've seen so many terrible takes, mm. um, I I don't know if you saw Jamie Lee Curtis posted a picture of these two children in Gaza looking up at the sky um, and, you know, it's like rubble around them and they're, and it, the post was, um, you know, uh, mentioning how terrified they were 
with, you know, missiles, <gasps> like looking up at the sky and what was going to like, what, you know, rockets were going to hit them. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, posted it thinking that these were Israeli kids and um, this very like heart-wrenching picture and caption and posted it to say, you know, um, poor Israel, the poor, you know, children in Israel, which is, yes, of course, but using this picture Oy. of the Gazan children. And then when it, when it was corrected, she took it down because it's like, but who, that's don't still you happening. still care it's, about those kids? Right. But, and, yeah. and those, that same picture could stand in, in, in Palestine right now. It's the same thing. Yeah. And why wouldn't you post about those? Like it's now it's like, well, no, never mind. you know, and, Justin Bieber posted a picture of um, devastation in Gaza with um, some writing across it that said "Praying for Israel," and like, so I don't know necessarily. Okay. okay. I also like you and know so they're not informed enough to be uh, to make a responsible post. Kinda. I, yeah, I, so I don't really know that that does anything or helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I don't. I think I think the focus on you know, this is my thing with posting is that if you're not someone who posts about politics, if you're not someone who Mm. typically, um, you know, writes something about, you know, how horrible this attack was or these children losing their lives or anywhere in the world. Like, I don't think that you necessarily, that was like, there's more of a responsibility to say something about, um, the uh, horrific, you know, attack that yeah. took place in Israel, um, especially if you're not then going to say anything about the unfolding genocide in Gaza. Right, right, You right. know, so there was a lot of, there were a lot of posts. Um, I don't know if necessarily celebrities, but let's say s- some well-known, you know, Jewish comedians. Okay. With this very kind of aggressive, and there was like these... Uh, Jewish organizations. I that did also see created. the Joan Rivers ones. I was like, that was like oh, from a few years, few years ago before she died, and oh. I was like, oof, that was rough. Oh, Joan, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't, know. I didn't see that one, but I, but this this sort of idea that if you if you're suddenly these people that don't normally post about anything definitely have never posted about mm-hmm. what Israel is doing in Palestine one day in their life, and they they you know they're like if you're not posting about these, you know, the loss of life of of these innocent Israelis, like. Um, where is your humanity or you're anti-Semitic or you must be with the terrorists. You must be, you know, and that, and then to me it was like calling out this, like making all these implications when they never post um, about people not posting. Like, where are the celebrities? Where are the LGBTQ leaders? And it's like, but you never post about anything. And now you care because it was Jewish kids and, uh, you know, elderly people, baby that died. And that's fine, and go for it, and definitely post about it. It's important, but don't draw some broad conclusion yeah. about other people that aren't posting about this. Uh, so my my yeah. my take on them not doing it. It seems like, and and this is just my perspective. I'm like, oh, they just don't want to lose record sales. They don't want to alienate their fans, and I'm like, I feel like comedians. Obviously, you guys are so much more outspoken and. I've seen a lot of comics say the same thing that you said to me when you got here today about like I've alienated everyone and this and the, and 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 I I could see how you feel that way. I don't think it will stay that way. I think it's for now. Well, I mean, I've been posting for a long time personally, so I've I'm pretty deep into this because I post about um, 
what is going on there and your perspective is so interesting because you are jewish i'm jewish yeah and you speak out for palestinians well i speak yeah i i i'm really um i'm jewish and i'm very pro-justice okay is really the main thing it's not like i'm anti-israel pro-palestine absolutely um it's just i'm i'm pro-justice and i am against the occupying another people Mm -hmm. and i because i'm tuned into and because i have you know i follow a variety of accounts and including um palestinian perspectives i'm i see the kinds of things that israel does daily in the west bank in particular uh to palestinian civilians and i and so i i i know what's been going and so i do post about that regularly so i there's already a lot of people that would know what my you know perspective on this right. is why do you think that i speak to a lot but i of did lose i did lose some i did lose a few people i probably okay. lost like 350 followers in like one day but then i They'll be back. Gained a tremendous... Good. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it's like... Good. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you gained, uh, hopefully that will be more than you lost. Hopefully. For, yeah, for me, the, the social media part has not been bad um, in that overwhelmingly, it's like I've gotten so many, so many positive messages, um, way more than, mm. you know, any kind of trolls or whatever. Well, why do you think that Israelis, even here, right, can't take a stance like you. I, I mean, I've I've had many conversations with other Jewish people, and they believe Israel can do no wrong. And I, like, I get it when when you are in war mm-hmm. and you are in attack mode, and say you have family there, it is really really difficult to be subjective or objective, right? right. And maybe because you are a little disconnected, like maybe you don't have family in Israel, that you are able to see both sides. But like, why do you think Jews? Like, as, even as Americans, like we look at Biden. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat, but I look at Biden. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Right. Like, why no, are you they can not criticize the U.S. and sure. there's absolutely zero consequence? Yeah, absolutely. But why do you think Jewish people can't do that or they won't do that? Um, well, I think there's um, well, a lot of people, a lot of Jewish people, are just kind of they just tune in to what's going on when. Um, Israel is attacked. Like when their rockets launch, typically in past um, like flare-ups, like where Hamas has launched rockets, that's when people tune in. And then there hasn't been really this kind of loss of life on the Israeli side mm-hmm. since um, 1973. So this is, I'd say, the first time that there's been like a huge um, number of casualties of civilians. Yeah and a breach of this wall and that it's shaken the security of uh, Israel and this sort of like status quo that people live with where on the Israeli side or let's say the Jewish diaspora side where um, it's like, well, no, I mean, like, it's like, no, on our, everything's kind of like, okay, day to day. And mm-hmm. so this sort of pierced through that. And so I think people are like, who in particular don't, keep track of what Israel does all the time or don't aren't aware of what yeah. life is like for Palestinians regularly day to day and how much worse it's been getting they just they tune in and they're like completely horrified because it was a horrific attack mm-hmm. but they have no context and they don't want to know about the context and if you suggest that there's 
a context and that this attack, while totally unjustified, was not unprovoked, they cannot, they can't handle it because, because we are so indoctrinated from such an early age um, about Israel. And um, I think that, and I can get more into that, but I, that's sort of... I, 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 do, I mean, I find that it seems like many countries have our allies with Israel and mm-hmm. they look at them as like this most peaceful side. And so I, I tend to, when I have these conversations with other Jewish people and I'm a low fed Jew, I was not raised with the religion. I never had a bat mitzvah. So I think that is one of the reasons I'm also able to be subjective and look at both sides. Objective. Objectives. Yes. <laughs> that's what I mean. Sorry. Um, but I, I notice with them, it's like when I ask them questions, there's always an excuse that they are the ones, they have been the ones to mainly take care of Palestine. Like they have been the ones giving them water, giving them electricity when they don't have to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's totally crazy. <laughs> I mean, but this is a kind of like um, like a cult. I mean, I think it's helpful to think of about Zionism. I've discovered recently as like a cult because when you can't criticize... Um, Israel, when Israel can, you know, do no wrong, maybe there's some people that will allow like, yeah, no, I don't think the settlements are right, or I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of Netanyahu, but they don't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a real sense of like what the occupation is. And so they'll say something like this about the water, um, without really knowing how Israel has controlled the water, um, what, like, what on the ground that even looks like and when you know when you understand what's actually been happening um even just in terms of water uh it's really would it would blow your mind at how cruel it is um because you know since 67 essentially when um israel occupied gaza the west bank and east jerusalem uh it took complete control over the water and then it doesn't allow Palestinians to build anything water related so they're not able to build wells they're not able to build pumps what however I don't know the ins and outs of how yeah. you know irrigation works but they're not allowed to build that and then Israel controls um, their sources of water yeah. and it um, gives them very little water. I mean, not talking about now. I'm talking about like Even daily. Before, no, no, just like regular, since yeah. then, since then. And so um, it's not just that they cut off water now. I mean, first of all, of course, the question is like, well, how does Israel have the power to cut off water? Well, then you might want to look into why that is. And if you look into why that is, then you start to understand um, what the restrictions have been. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and how they've taken over all of that and how they feed the Palestinians like a fraction of the amount of water that Israelis get. And in the like in the West Bank, they sell it's like an Israeli company that owns the water mm. that is comes from the West Bank. Like that is and what the West Bank is internationally recognized Palestinian land. And they sell the Israelis own their water. And then sell it back to them at like a m- much higher price yeah. than the Israelis pay. Like it's so beyond. Um, so this idea of like where these people that take care of 
the Palestinians is so, it's like, it's, what's happening is so gross. And then on top of it to suggest like this is some benevolent act is like the greatest gaslight that's what it I've feels ever, like. That's what it feels like. You could like. ever imagine, yeah. And some of the questions I'm going to ask you, I will yeah. also ask Iman for the second part of the interview. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, one thing that really has been confusing me is like, why other countries surrounding Palestine have not stepped in to help? And why do you think that is? Um, you know, so that's like a, a question that uh, typically like you, you know, other Jewish people will ask, you know, because it's like a way to, not look at what the responsibility is totally. of Israel. And but I, that's the, <sighs> because it's sort of like, but what, what, because it's, you know, it's like with this thing with Egypt, for example, right it, right now, currently where the, where Israel is committing a genocide against civilians in Palestine, bombing the hell out of them and preparing for a ground invasion. We've seen the huge loss of life. We've seen how the army has targeted hospitals, schools, um, told them to leave to the south and then bombed the convoy of yeah. civilians. Um, like, literally, there's nowhere for them to go. And then there was the uh, Israel made the, um, you know, suggested that if they left Gaza, the civilians, to, into Egypt through the Rafah cr- crossing, right. um, then, you know, they would, they would be in Egypt and then they would carry out the rest of their bombing campaign and you know, quote unquote, get rid of Hamas. Um, the what's horrible about that is that you can't give a civilian population an option to either die or leave yeah. the country because that's a for, that's forcible de- deportation and a crime against humanity. Um, the other thing is that's interesting is that they're only offering they're like putting it on Egypt. Egypt has offered to send in humanitarian aid and has been oh, trying they to. Okay, they okay. did from the very beginning, and they're and, and and why does no one talk about that? Well, people do, but it's just not not in like, you know, um, it, it it is if you look it up, but it's okay. not like in the main okay. point. It's not like, like public kind of no, but it, it is yeah. it's public and it, it, you can you know find it in any like pretty much mainstream news, but mm-hmm. um, it's you know it's not part of the sort of Israel talking points. But if you look at, if you read more broadly, um, you see, you can see that at the very beginning of the conflict now, uh, Egypt sent trucks with humanitarian aid mm-hmm. like a week ago. And um, Israel said, to tr- you know, the trucks had to turn back because Israel wouldn't let them in and uh, threatened to bomb them. And so, and since then, Egypt's been trying to organize humanitarian aid. But of course, Israel has decided to cut off food, fuel, electricity, and water and so why would they allow they're trying to starve the population you know it's like we're not gonna like so but the other thing is that you know was interestingly brought up by also by egypt and a couple of really good uh newscasters like this guy mark lamont interviewing one of these israeli officials Mm -hmm. uh he said well so you want them to go you want them to go to egypt and um and he was like, yes, where else would the go- they go? And he's like, well, why not in Israel? There's a crossing into Israel. Mm-hmm. They could, you could set up the tents and everything that you want to pay for in Egypt. You can do that in Israel. You could do that in the Negev. Like you could, it's not, but the reason that they don't want to do that is because they want to ethnically cleanse Palestinians. They don't, this has been the 
project from the beginning is that Israel wants to be an ethnostate. So a Palestinian population is always a threat because just the existence of Palestinians growing in numbers mm -hmm. um, threatens the idea of a Jewish state population. -wise. Yeah, I, this might be an ignorant question, but do you think that part of the reason they did not allow that is because being that Palestine does not really technically have a government and it's mostly Hamas has kind of taken over, do you think that they are like worried that they don't know the difference between a citizen and a member of Hamas? Um, I think that, so the Palestinians have a government. There's, well, there, Hamas, which is the government in Gaza, there is, it should be said, uh, oh, yeah, the I Palestinian Authority is a government in okay. the West Bank. Okay. Um, and so, but I think that you can, there's a quite easy way to make sure that the people that are coming in are civilians. You know, you can check them for weapons. You can, you know, mm -hmm. check their ID. You can, Israel knows who everyone is. Like mm -hmm. they surveil these people 24 seven in yeah. Gaza. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't think that's an excuse really. Yeah. Um, and because, and I think that truly it just, Point, the fact that they're not willing to do that and that they want them to go to Egypt is just in in addition to the the genocidal statements that the Israel meant several of the Israeli mm -hmm. you know government leaders have made um, points further to their intent, which is to get rid of the civilian population in Gaza and 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 you know and then bomb whatever else whoever remains mm -hmm. Hamas or whoever doesn't leave. But the reason that these people don't want to leave is the whole point of why they're there and living in an open-air prison and why Palestinians don't want to go anywhere is because most of Gaza, most of the people in Gaza were kicked out. They made, were made refugees already. Mm. They were kicked out of Israel when Israel was created and went to Gaza as refugees. And so their whole fight is that they want, they don't want to be... Um, ethnically cleansed from their land like yeah. they're they would they're rather attacked. die there yeah. this is their home and israel has been trying to get rid of them for so long so the idea of like oh why don't you go to this other country is so because if not we're going to kill you is like it's, it's so messed up yeah um do you think that palestinian citizens had any knowledge of what hamas was going to do or what their plan was i don't i mean I, I really, I don't think so. I mean, I, I feel and like would they even have the power to stop anything like that? I mean, that, I think that you know, it's like don't, you can't hold a civilian. Oh, no, I no, 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 I know. Yeah, that's I don't. Not what I'm yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. But I don't think like I mean, I can't really speculate as to like how yeah. many people knew. I feel like it was a pretty, you know, it it was a really sophisticated plan, and so for Israel not to know about it and mm -hmm. to be caught by surprise, I can't imagine. It was something that was widely discussed, right. you know, uh, especially because they are like the they're constantly surveilled. Like the the Mossad, the military is like one of the most sophisticated, powerful militaries and intelligence services that exist. And the Mossad in is, the, is, is that in is, Israel? The is Mossad is the Israeli uh, like CIA. Okay, you know the intelligence service. I see, and they watch these people constantly. Like there's 
Gaza is a lab essentially for um, weapons and technology companies to test weapons and surveillance and facial recognition on a, a population. Like okay. it's basically an open air prison upon which, you know, all of these sort of weapons and uh, it, the weapons industry, the um, surveillance, the tech industry, like tests out new weapons and, you know, yeah, surveillance yeah. and like all of that kind of technology. Um, but the, the population in Gaza is so young that like the last election was in 2006, mm -hmm. a huge percentage of the Gazan population wasn't born and certainly not of age to vote in 2006. Yeah. Like 50% of them are under 18, I think, now. Um, but this idea of like, because it is, you know, one of the, the genocidal types of, aside from calling them animals and, you know, like all the textbook uh, genocidal language of dehumanizing people to like lay the groundwork for killing them, um, which is classic of, it was in the Holocaust and in yeah. other genocides, Rwanda, for example, um, they, one of the like very concerning lines from several of the Israeli leaders was basically to suggest that no one in Gaza is innocent. You know, that they, mm -hmm. that this is their government. And it's like, well, from that perspective, well, that's, that's why I asked you that question. Right. Before. But from that perspective, every Israeli civilian is a target. That from that perspective, what Hamas did killing those Israelis is also justified. Hmm. Killing Americans is justified. And in Israel, they actually have had votes. <laughs> They've had a lot of elections. Yeah. So in fact, th that argument applies even stronger to killing as many Israelis and it being justified because they voted for this government. Yeah. What do you like a year ago? Huh. What do you what and they're all in the military. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like... Because you have to be as a citizen there, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah. so from that perspective, if that's the argument, no Israeli... Like, there's a better argument to be made that every Israeli civilian is um, a legitimate target. Mm. What do you think that Hamas thought they could accomplish or wanted to accomplish by attacking Israel? Well, I think, you know, Hamas has... Um, there were several there were several provocations. I think they were planning this for a long time and you know they've well that's the thing I've been hearing from historians, right? That this this kind of thing it might not have happened this week, it might not have happened a month from now, but it kind of was inevitable. Well, and there do, was a lot of reasons for them to attack now strategically. One is that um there's some, you know, there's been political unrest in Israel because there's a lot of Israelis who are really and have been out protesting in huge numbers yeah. against the current government because the current government is the most extreme government that's existed. Netanyahu essentially, you know, he's been on trial um, like Trump and his only salvation is to remain prime minister. And he didn't have enough, um, he didn't have enough political, you know, votes basically um, to make a coalition government uh, without bringing into his cabinet these extremists um, who are very religious, um, 
and who are, yeah, like settlers, basically, and, and terrorists themselves, convicted yeah. Jewish settler terrorists. And they're in the cabinet, and and they were threatening, uh, you know, they've been trying to pass this judicial reform, um, which essentially would make Israel no longer uh, a democracy for Jews. It's never been a democracy for anyone else, but now they were threatening democracy for Jews, they're homophobic, anti-women, all these things mm -hmm. that Israel is always like used as um, a big PR play mm -hmm. of like, we're the only quote unquote democracy in the Middle East. They are for Jews. Um, and, you know, we, yeah. And so people, so, so Israel were, were protesting. So this was like one reason that Israel like was distracted. Okay. So they, he, they thought they could catch them at a weak moment. It was a weak moment because the other reason is that um, those uh, people in the government now are trying to take over the West Bank. They're trying to annex the West Bank. And so they've been pushing, um, putting settlers and building settlements um, in, they've always, Israel's always done that, illegally taking Palestinian land, mm. um, but now at a much, in a much more brazen way and openly talking about uh, annexing the West Bank. And the settlers that are out there terrorize Palestinian families um, daily and the IDF, the military, is there with them and protecting them and backing them up. Mm -hmm. And all of the crimes that the settlers commit, and those people are terrorists. These are they fully are terrorizing. Anyway, there's many many examples of it. Yeah. But um, the they're never ever punished. They're never held accountable. Um, and they have the IDF there backing them, which is enough reason to assume that this is government policy. Mm -hmm. And because the IDF was all so focused on the West Bank, they were not paying attention to Gaza. I see. And it took a long time for them to show up uh, to save the people that were being attacked um, in that area, like on the round, around Gaza, like where Gaza is, like on the other side of Gaza. Yeah. And the kibbutzes and everything. Um. I so mean, I, so that I think that's like that timing was I, I'm not like it's very an analyst, but that to okay. me it seems like yeah I don't know maybe they were always planning that day I have no idea but like it was uh, you know it was a shock that they were able to carry that kind of an attack out that yeah. Israel didn't know about it I mean apparently Egypt warned um, the the Israelis and they ignored their intelligence that they shared. Hmm. Um, and, uh, Why? so, so Why people are, so people, Israelis are quite upset with their government, um, because they? they feel, okay. Yeah. That's a lot, a lot of Israelis are upset because they feel that they've been completely abandoned. And there's a lot of, um, because the country has become so right wing with this government mm -hmm. and it's, be, it's starting, it's, there's, a, there's a fair amount of unrest between that part of those people and the other Israelis. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the ones, there's there's people, you know, who had family members who were killed in the attack or who have who have family members or friends who are still hostages, on, you know, in Gaza, who have been um, begging the government not to, you know, <laughs> not to attack Gaza in this way. Like, they're saying okay. this is not going to bring anybody back. Right, right. We don't think that, you know... Um, massacring 
civilians on the other side is any uh, well, thank God solution because I mean, like, but then those people are being uh, have been attacked by right wing Israelis. Yeah. Um, Damn. Um, anyway, but so yeah, there's a lot of that. That, but no, I mean Hamas is you know for a while now is um, has been interested and motivated to attack Israel in in whichever way it can. Um, you know that is like their terrorist organization that they haven't always been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Hamas look, has not always been a terrorist organization. Um, I I don't think it not in its not in the beginnings of okay of Hamas. Also, you know Israel helped create Hamas. Um, Interesting. In, I didn't know that. I know. It's just, this is the thing is, is that a lot of people don't know stuff. And it's like, I just feel like if they did, they, but, you know, we're not allowed to know this stuff because it doesn't line up with like there are anything ideals. that would yeah. like, be, because, you know, there's, whenever you've grown up really believing something and we, there was, I grew up like, you know, there's all of these, um, Zionists who um, will come at me with the same talking points and arguments and narrative. And I'm like, I know what you're like, everything you're telling me, I used to say, (laughs) like, I grew up with that. It's just that for many reasons over the years, and it's been a long journey, I've come to start to, I started to question it. I started to read stuff. I, you know, at some point, I went in. I became a lawyer oh. in human rights and international I criminal law. About that. Yeah, I and about then that. I worked in the UN at a tribunal in The Hague, and so I specifically worked in as a lawyer prosecuting um, genocide, uh, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. So it was through that lens at first that mm-hmm. I started to, um, you know. Understand, yeah. you know, what like from a legal perspective, what was going on. That was like kind of there were like earlier moments where I was like had a feeling that stuff wasn't right, you know. Um, so how does your family feel? Like, are you going against your family right now? Are you aligned with your family right now? No, and that's like I'm not, and it's it's that for me is like because like, on social media, you know. There'll be people that, that, that come for me or I'll see, like, I'll see the posts of, you know, people that I generally respect and that I know are smart and, mm-hmm. like, progressive people. And I, I see their ignorant posts and I know what, I know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I try to have a little bit of empathy because I'm like, they just have not, they just don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know all of these things, you know. You gotta um, be and there's open. more. You got to be open to to learning. Like I, 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 but people don't because it's just it's too destabilizing. You know, there's like a, a, a large amount of cognitive dissonance that happens when everything. And I've been through this, and that you know where you grew up, the people you love, the the teachers you had, the the synagogue, the you know your community, your family, like all the things you grew up learning. Mm. When you realize that, like, oh that stuff's not true. It's very um, disturbing. Uh, did you ever speak out, like, directly to them? or to my family? Yeah, or yeah. just, like, you know, rabbis or, or... I mean, I at one point I sent a couple of years ago an email to the rabbi of my synagogue asking him... Because one of the things that it took me a long time to realize was that Zionism isn't Judaism. And okay. to even begin to understand that, like, 
oh, of course, this is a political movement. They're like Trump supporters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, I mean, like Judaism is so old. Yeah. And Zionism was a political movement started in, in Europe in the late 1800s. And it, you know, the idea of, of a Jewish homeland um, lined up really well with a lot of colonialists in Europe, a lot of anti-Semites, because for them, the idea of not having Jews in Europe, obviously, and let this is like before the Holocaust even was like very convenient. Yeah, like why don't all these European Jews go there? Mm. Then they won't be here. And then the Holocaust happened, and then the movement gained even more traction because now it was like, well, we need a safe haven. And also we've dreamed of this homeland. And yeah. also Europe then being like, you know, then it's like the guilt of it, let's give them this. It's the also we don't want them here. And, you know, and also we'll have this like these people in the Middle East that will be our allies. And there's a lot of geopolitical interest in having a, you know, a country mm -hmm. that is um, an ally there to the West. So what, what did the rabbi say? So I said, oh yeah, so I said, so that was, so anyway, so at some point I realized, that, but I understood more about like, I started to unpack this like Zionist, the Zionist project yeah, yeah. and how it's actually not, it's not Judaism, you know? Yeah, and so, and, and I realized like how much Zionism there was in the synagogue during the high holidays um, how much, you know, prayer for the IDF. And Zionism, for all that maybe you don't know, is just more of, like, intense it's, pride? Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, no, it's, um, no, Zionism, I mean, there's, a, like, a couple of different types of Zionism, but essentially it's, it's this idea of, um, a, a, a Jewish homeland oh, okay. in Israel, okay. yeah, on the land of, yeah. Um, so what it was, so the rabbi, so I said, so I asked him, well, or? no. And so I, I asked him, I said like that I didn't understand what the theological, you know, uh, justification was for Zionism in the synagogue. Okay. Um, during in particular services, you know, um, that and, and holidays and things that have like go so much further back and that, you know, why this political ideology is, is involved you know okay. at, at that time and um and you know i said some other things about how i i didn't think that that it lined up with jewish values and things. interesting anyway okay. i didn't know i mean i got a quick response that was like i'm just i have this and this and i'll i need some time to respond and i'll, I'll come back and okay um and then he never did he never did no <laughs> no shocker <laughs> yeah yeah he never did um, I mean, I could look, I've said, I'll come back to emails and not and then forgotten. But, um, so I thought about, I mean, I, maybe I will what? write it's, him again, but right now I, I, it's not the moment. Yeah, sure. But I always want to, you know, they always say even in Christian, like all oh, my Catholic Christian friends, you can never question anyone in authority. And mm -hmm. I, because I didn't, I never went to temple or got a bat mitzvah. Like, I don't know if that same rule applies. Like, can you ask questions? Can you debate? Can you Well, this is like disagree? A, a very fundamental part of, of Jewish culture and the religion is questioning okay. and debating. Um, I, I think that at some point this became a topic not to be debated, um, which also doesn't line up with everything that, 
you know, a large part of what Judaism is, which is questioning and debating, and that's, like, very welcome and mm. part of who we are. We have, like, a million different opinions and lots of different, you know, spectrums of branches of Judaism. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I think, and I, like, when you were, I think the answer really is that the people that fund this synagogue are Zionists and we just can't. So you were never able to question things? Like, what, growing up, like, did you... Well, you I, I didn't, like, question things so much when I was younger because I just sort of assumed that what I was being taught was, was, correct. was correct. Yeah. And I didn't really have any reason to think otherwise. There were little moments where, um, like, one moment that didn't... That sort of struck me as, like, this doesn't feel right was um, when I was, let's say, like, 11, but just before, like, bat mitzvah age, mm -hmm. I was in, like, I didn't go to a Jewish school, but I went to, like, an after-school Hebrew school at my synagogue. And, you know, looking back, that was sort of the beginning of the learning to dehumanize Palestinians. It was this idea of they kept, you know, talking a lot about, like, look what we've done with the land. Like, the idea of Zionism, the lie of Zionism, is that... Um, Israel or Jewish homeland, it was, um, it's, it's, uh, land, land without people for a people without land. And it's not a land without people. It was a land very much with people. But the, ex the idea that there were Palestinians, what happened to them when the state of Israel was created, it, all of this was not mentioned certainly not mentioned with any historical accuracy just glossed over and then it was like this comparison of look at we've made this paradise in the desert we've built all of this tech we've built all of this agriculture and then look at the palestinians and look at like the you know like they're not civilized like look at they look at what they've done they've done nothing they're mm -hmm. like intense they're like in squalor they're like you know it's and and I remember back then thinking like, oh, but I thought like we weren't supposed to compare ourselves to other people mm. because that was something I knew as a kid when you're like, oh, but so-and-so is allowed to do this. Like, why mm -hmm. can't I, you know? Of course. So just from that level, that was like, I think, looking back the first moment where I was like, like, I understand like pride and like telling you know, teaching Jewish people to be course, proud and like course. and celebrate accomplishments. But it was even like, well, no one's many, perfect. Well, no, but I mean, like, I understand the like, you know, celebrating the, the accomplishments of your people and all of that. But but then it was but it wasn't just that it was like that. And then and look at them, mm. you know, like, look at how many Nobel Prizes we have. And, like, you know, it's like but like there was never any so they context were made, to, given. made to feel and you were made to feel inferior about them from an early age to see them as inferior. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and then it was, that was only reinforced with like what the media was, yeah. you know, because at that point it was just the six and 11 PM news. And on the news, it was like Palestinians were terrorists and, you know, Israel was defending itself and Israel's a democracy and isn't Israel great. And they have to deal with this and everybody, you know, and so hates them trying to kill them. But, you know, like this is you grow up in this panic, too, because the when you learn about Israel, it's also part and parcel. You learn about it with the Holocaust because you're, you know, when you're quite young, you learn about the Holocaust and it's quite traumatic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, you go to Holocaust museums and you see the, the shoes of little yeah. kids. Yeah. And it's horrific. And then at the same time, it's like 
oh, but we got, but it, we got this land. We have a Jewish homeland. We have a safe haven. And yes, we're historically persecuted. Yes, the Holocaust. Yes, anti-Semitism is everywhere. And so you have this fear, 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 which is based on something very real. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, and Israel's a solution. And without Israel, like we, this, we need this for our safety. Yeah. And so that's like so deeply ingrained of like feeling fear and then feeling like the solution to that fear just to is this country and yeah. then to like kind of never tell you about what really happened there, what was really done. Mm. When you look at like what we have and what they have, it's never like, oh, but also they had all this stuff we took from them <laughs> and now they're refugees. And also we control their water, their airspace, their ground, their, yeah. you know, we control every part of their life that of course, like who would be able to build, they're, they're not allowed to build anything. Yeah. They're not allowed to build houses. They're not allowed, you know, so yeah. So, but none of that context is, is provided obviously, because it would take away from this glory, you know, Absolutely. narrative. Yeah. So I have, I have two final questions okay. before we wrap up. The first is, and this is, this is, this is a very tough question, but is there a solution in your mind to this? Well, I to me, there's only really two options at this point where things are. So there's either a one-state solution, which is what I'm in favor of okay. now. Do you think that can happen? Um, I mean, not with the people that are in power right now and yeah. not with like... You know, because I, I was a big believer in, like, a two-state solution. as like, oh, that makes sense. Let them have their land. We'll have our land. Um, but at some point, I understood that Israel was never interested in a two-state solution, that, that a two-state solution was something that Israel paid lip service to to appease liberal Zionist Jews in the in America, okay. that have a lot of money, that give them money, that whatever, while what they're doing, on, what they've been doing on the ground the whole time is just taking more and more land, you know, mm-hmm. from Palestinian people, making life more and more difficult. And, like, when you ask, when you say there's no government, like, that's by design. Mm-hmm. Because even, you know, Netanyahu, in the last years, it has been funneling money to Hamas through Qatar, and... His the strategy, and it's he's on record saying this, um, was to that if you don't want it to, to thwart a two state solution, to thwart the existence of a Palestinian state, we have to support Hamas, and that is what the policy was. That's wild. I had no knowledge of that. I mean, the only funding that I've recently been hearing about is the funding that Iran gives them. But you know the. That was something that a lot of people, and and I'm not saying that Iran doesn't support Hamas, they do, Uh Um, but like I know politically here it became a big thing of, you know, the the Republicans blaming Biden by saying that, you know, um, this money was released to Iran and that's what Hamas used when it wasn't the case at all because the money that Biden released hadn't yet, has not actually been even released yet. Mm. So there's a very good case to be made that the money that Hamas used for this attack came um, was approved by by Israel through Qatar. Um, hmm. 
Hmm. I mean, Saudi Arabia has spoken out at Qatar for giving Hamas this money. Interesting. I had no knowledge of that. Again, so like this is a, this is there, because it's the whole thing with Israel. It, it's in Israel's interest to support Hamas if the idea is to divide and conquer the Palestinian people on the ground by ghettoizing them so they cannot form a one government, mm -hmm. humiliating the Palestinian Authority, which only cooperates with Israel and is basically an arm of the Israeli government in terms of yeah. the security. And what do they get? Nothing. They just get more and more um, terrorism committed against Palestinians in the West Bank, more and more land taken from them, and then the talk of annexing all of the West Bank. So when you... So then what are your options? It's like the Palestinian Authority, which has been cooperative and nothing's come of it, mm -hmm. or Hamas, which at this point is just going to be violent. And then Israel gets to say like, well, you know, there's no partner for peace on the other side. Okay. So, so for me, it's so either, it's either the options are either, is a one state democracy, you know, power sharing agreement, binational system, whatever. I wish whatever. I think that could happen. I don't think and, it will ever happen. Well, but. the other option is just what's going on now, which is like uh, an a full ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from the land, which is what Israel wants. I mean, like you have to, at some point you have to, you, you have to look at what people are doing. Right. And that's what it is. It's like, what is Zionism? Well, Zionism is what it does, you know, and what it does is now basically fascism. So yeah. I mean, anyways, I feel like I'm breaking a lot of bad news to you. No, it's no, not, no, no, it's no. not, it's I, not. Listen, I am, I am not loyal. <laughs> or other people, I am but not, I am, I am. It's hard listen, to hear because. I am Jewish, but I am, I am open to all faults from all sides and all positive from all sides. I don't take one side. So it is interesting to learn new things about what's really going on. I wish more people could be impartial and, like, the next question I have, I guess it doesn't really apply anymore after talking to you. What's that? But I just was like, you know, your your wife is Palestinian. Yeah. And so I was curious of how this was affecting your relationship, but I can it imagine. Has, well, it has affected our relationship in that, like. In a positive or negative? Well, one, one big thing was, um, you know, I started, like, kind of the journey of, like, questioning things. Well, a little bit as a kid, but then especially when I got into international law. And then from there, you know, once I left international law, I went into comedy, and then I, I met my now wife, who is Palestinian, and who you'll hear from. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and it was, you know, that was another, like, part of the journey of, like, deprogramming and eye-opening was that that opened up a world to me where I then knew Palestinian people. I was, you know, now also was reading Palestinian journalists, authors, seeing media scene you know and um art and you know uh, and it's the thing is and i you know <laughs> most zionists most jews don't know palestinian people and they do not read palestinian journalists they don't read um palestinian authors they and i really strongly believe that if you do not you don't know what's going on because it's like for and i don't you know it's for me. It's like a white person in this country saying, they and this know could about black culture that they know, no, that they understand racism, yeah, yeah um, exactly. or anything about black history. We all saw how little we knew during, you know, the summer of George Floyd and the sure. Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. you know, like movement. All of these white people embarrassed about how little they knew, mm -hmm. sitting down to like have their anti-racist book clubs. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, how do you? 
you realize that about your own country, how little you knew. Yeah. Now you, you're going to tell me that you're still telling me the same things because I know what you're saying to me about Israel. You're repeating things that I said at 12 years old and you're still saying the same thing from like 1985. Shit like done change. This, you Shit got, done you have to, you, you cannot know what's going on if you don't. And I don't want to, you know, I don't know if you know Z way, but I love her. Yeah, but it's like I need to have like a like a thing like a show like where I sit down with other Jews. Like, yeah. how many how many Palestinian friends do you have? No, right, the, right. The guy you buy falafel from does not count. That's not a friend. They can't oh be God. so you know, um, because I'm telling like it's it's so absurd to me that I didn't know so much until until then. Um, anyway. Well, I appreciate you coming here. You have no idea. Thank you. Um, I, this was the least funny. I've oh, ever been. That's fine. It's that kind of been pretty unfunny it's, before. It's but. a stop. It's been, it's been that kind of. It's been that kind of last couple of weeks. It's like it's you feel guilty about having fun. Like it's just like, ugh, like what am I doing? But why don't you uh, give all our <laughs> white listeners. ladies? You have to have a self care moment. Take <laughs> a bath. Very true. Don't well, think about ugly things in the world <laughs> for like five minutes. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you tell listeners where they could find you if they if you well, want to see you, your social you, yeah, media? Yeah, if you have that, something. So. Uh, nice to say <laughs> uh, I'm at Jess underscore Solomon S-A-L-O-M-O-N and I'm on Instagram primarily but and, twi- and Twitter still and, all the, and the TikTok Twitter, I am the- on TikTok I'm not as active <laughs> as I should be but I'm there Same. and uh, yeah thank you so much Even I appreciate Facebook it for the olds if they listen to this yeah so uh stay tuned for next week when we have our lovely other half uh our palestinian uh guests iman el husseini am yes. i saying that right iman oh gosh um thank you for listening guys i really appreciate it bye do you have crazy stories we want to hear them you can either let us know at ig on our ig page <laughs> you can hit us on our fucking <laughs> See? So hit us up on our IG page, Dating App Disasters, or on Dating App Disasters Podcast at gmail.com. That's just some old nasty shit. Y'all know what y'all like to hear. <laughs>